and welcome to Basketball Reasons, the Lakers podcast, part of the Forum Club and the Athletics NBA Podcast Network. I'm Bill Oram, joined by my uh, intrepid co-host, Brett Dawson. Brett, how are you? Uh, you know what, Bill? I'm not as busy as I thought I might be uh, right after the trade deadline. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, obviously today being Thursday, um, we're about an hour and a half removed from the trade deadline. Um, the Lakers did stand pat, did not make a move. Um, so for now, the roster stays intact, as is. Um, status quo, uh, whatever you would like to say. Uh, this is our first uh, podcast um, since um, in a couple of weeks. We took last week off, obviously um, kind of still reeling from and uh, reacting to the the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant and uh, the eight others on the helicopter crash uh, on January 26th. Um, it's been heavy times around the Lakers. Uh, they've played a few games now, uh, kind of started to get back to the business of basketball. And, you know, today was really, you know, one of the most important days on the NBA calendar. And that, and that calendar doesn't stop really for anything, Brett. Um, what was your kind of just impression of, of how the Lakers went into the trade deadline options they might've had? And then also, um, kind of what was, what was on Rob Palinka's plate? You know, we know that Rob Palinka viewed Kobe Bryant as his best friend and it, I can only imagine just on a human level how difficult it was for him to um, to focus on, and, and to be able to um, turn his attention to the trade deadline while he's still obviously personally grieving. Yeah, it's hard to imagine um, what that what that's been like. I mean, we know from the more front facing members of the Lakers, players and coaches, um, just kind of we have some some sort of snapshot of what these. Uh, this, more more than a week now, a little more than a week has has been like, um, but we don't really have any sense of it for Rob, and we can only imagine um, that it's been incredibly challenging. I mean, Anthony Davis told us today, we're recording this on Thursday, between a Lakers shoot-around uh, and a Lakers game, I mean, Anthony Davis said today he felt like that Rob Palinka was kind of back in work mode right now, um, leading up to the deadline, and, and you sort of have to be. Obviously, nothing happened for the Lakers. I don't think that's necessarily a reflection of them putting anything on hold um, you know, in the wake of, of the tragedy. I think that, you know, there was a time, I think Adrian Wojnarowski reported this, uh, uh, the night that they broadcast uh, Kobe's last game on ESPN, the re-air of that game, that the league was a little quiet at that point. Um, the whole league was kind of trying to recover and react. I think we've seen a return to normalcy elsewhere in the league. The Lakers are getting there, and that will be a longer process for them. But I imagine they engaged in the kind of due diligence that you do this time of year. Um, you know, I think there were talks about Kyle Kuzma and the Knicks and, and, and a Marcus Morris trade. Possibly he ends up with the Clippers instead. Um, and I, I do think, you know, it sounds like the Lakers were at least engaged in some conversation there. Um, I don't know that they ever got anywhere with Andre Iguodala, who ends up in Miami. I think that was always going to probably be a buyout situation if the Lakers were going to get Iguodala. And as we've talked about before, Memphis was pretty dug in on trading Iguodala, not getting to the buyout market with him um, and making sure that that it got some kind of return. So I don't know that there were a lot of candidates out there, given what the Lakers have to trade. Maybe there were some other Kyle Kuzma discussions. There was some sort of, you know, quiet talk about Derrick Rose at one point, but that never seemed to escalate to anything very serious. I think um, probably just one of those deadlines where, regardless of really extenuating circumstances, maybe they just didn't find anything out there that, that worked for the team that they have, and which, by the way, Bill, they like a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, that's been the messaging really from everyone is that the Lakers, and this is also internally, you know, people who don't, you know, aren't quoted in, in, in the stories you read, but people who do talk to us that, you know, they feel like they have a chance with this roster as constructed. Um, you know, I think I think it's interesting. Obviously, you saw the Clippers get better today. Um, you know, it was reported as kind of a showdown between the Lakers and Clippers for Marcus Morris. But I don't I, listen. If, if that if that was the case, and if the if the price tag for for, I mean, Marcus Morris makes fifteen million dollars. The Lakers were going to have to trade multiple players to get there. One of them was no doubt going to have to be Kyle Kuzma. I just don't think that that would have made sense for the Lakers. I think the Lakers did the right thing today. Um, n- not that Kyle Kuzma it was an untradeable piece of 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 what they're doing, but you know, you, I think it was not would not have been wise to trade him for someone who plays the same position and um, is maybe incrementally better. I think Marcus Morris today is a better player and maybe a, you know, a player you'd rather have on a championship roster than Kyle Kuzma, but he's a free agent. You're maybe only getting him for a few months and then you obviously are losing the, you know, kind of whatever the future is for Kyle Kuzma, which is a guy under team control who has, you know, shown flashes of being able to be a really consistent high level contributor for this team. Um, and who's, you know, really, bought into the role that they've put him in, which is you know, kind of sixth man on a championship contender. I, I think, I think all things considered, there just wasn't, as you said, a move for the Lakers to make. So, um, you know, if there was a downside, it was seeing Marcus Morris go to the Clippers, the Clippers getting just that much better. Um, you know, we don't know, we don't really have a great sense of how the Lakers stack up with the Clippers. And that's what you need to be thinking about now, thinking about May and June. Um, you know, the Clippers have beaten the Lakers twice, um, you know, on opening night, this was a very different Clippers team. They didn't have Paul George yet. And then on Christmas, um, the Lakers had that game in hand, it felt like, before the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, I would like to see the Lakers beat the Clippers in the regular season so we could get a sense of whether or not um, that's something they can handle or if it's just a bad matchup for them. Um, Obviously, we were supposed to see them uh, on the 28th, but that was the game that got postponed. So we actually don't know when we're going to see the Lakers and Clippers face off again. But, you know, I, I do worry a little bit about the Clippers getting better while the Lakers stand pat. I think the Clippers have better depth than the Lakers do. But I also think that's going to change. I think the Lakers have some moves ahead of them. Now they're going to turn their attention to the buyout market where, you know, you don't know, necessarily know who's going to become available as teams kind of assess their rosters after the moves of today. But there will be guys who start, you know, breaking free of, of those deals and, um, you know, hit the market. And the Lakers are going to be looking for that. I mean, the name you hear the most is not a buyout guy, but is a is a free agent right now. That's Darren Collison, who used to play for the Clippers, has you know been a really high level um, role player in the league for a long time. Um, obviously retired last summer to focus on his family and faith, but I do think that he um, is a guy who, if he decides to play again, is is um, a great fit for the Lakers. And and listen, the Lakers are a great fit for him. I mean, there's potentially a starting role for Darren Collison here. If not, certainly a large role off the bench. Um, he can shoot the ball a little bit, certainly can handle and play make, and you don't mind him being off ball when LeBron has it. So um, if Darren Collison comes back to the NBA, um, you know, I think others have reported that the Lakers would be strong favorites to land him. I know the Lakers are confident in what they offer to really anybody on the buyout market in terms of a landing spot, championship team with a, a championship contender with a really good culture. Um so I, you know, I, I think the Lakers. You're going to see some some changes around the margins, but today they kind of avoided, you know, making wholesale changes, and I don't think that was a bad thing, particularly. And you know, you don't want to overstate this, but this is a team that has been through 
quite a bit of unique circumstances already um, for being a group that's only been together for, you know, obviously less than a season now. First, you had China, which was, you know, unprecedented, basically being quarantined in a hotel while waiting for a geopolitical crisis to um, to reach its conclusion. And then you had, obviously, the death of Kobe. And not that this team is full of guys who played with Kobe or close to Kobe, but everyone in the NBA um, was influenced by Kobe in, in some way to varying degrees. And there are guys on this team who were extremely close to him or played with him. Um, Kyle Kuzma being one of them as, as somebody who was mentored by Kobe. I just think that the the bond in this locker room is very strong. And that chemistry is something that, um, you know, I think can carry this team in, at, at points throughout what remains of the season. And Rob Polinka, obviously being very close to that situation, I think was really cognizant of that. Yeah, I, I think a, a chemistry, a good chemistry is not a thing to take lightly. I don't think it... It's not you look. They they have good chemistry, and also they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and that's what makes them great. It's not about you know teams that get along. That's nice, but they also have to be uh, really talented and have the right pieces around their stars. And I think the Lakers have all of that. They don't have every piece you'd like, um, but they have all the elements you want to win. They they have two star players. They have complementary pieces, and they have that kind of chemistry and camaraderie. I do think it seems to me it feels really genuine. Their locker room is is a, a good place to be, I think. And so I do think that stuff matters, not only in not making moves, but as you said, I think it does make them an appealing stop, an uh, appealing place for somebody who maybe is only going to be with them through the end of the season. Um, this is a team that's going to compete for a championship, whether they're the favorites. I think, I think the Clippers are the favorites, but they're going to compete for a championship in an environment that's really fun to be in right now, despite some of the things that they've gone through. And, and we I think we started to see that the last game they played um, you know that, that against the Spurs, that there's there's still this togetherness, there's still this kind of joy in the game, despite what's been a very difficult stretch, and that's going to gradually, I think, um, become more and more comfortable for them. Just being out there playing and having fun again is going to get easier and easier. Uh, and so I, I do think that because of all that stuff, it is a mix that you want to be careful what you do to, it, it, and that that means adding to and subtracting from a, a good buyout player doesn't necessarily mean a good fit. So they're going to look around when these guys hit the market and figure out what works best for them. They still have needs. I mean, they still have things that they need to get better at. And and while Marcus Morris is a really good player, I don't know that he addresses the biggest of those. I think Collison would be a much better uh, solution for them in terms of adding something they really need, which we've talked about to, to, you know, to the point of nausea at this point, but they need a guy who makes plays when LeBron is off the floor and who hits shots when LeBron is on the floor. And and that's a thing that Collison can provide them. I know that um, today, I believe Matt Barnes said on the jump that that he had been in contact with Darren Collison, who said he's 50-50 on coming back. But I, I'm with you. I think the odds are strong that if he decides to do that, um, the odds are stronger than 50-50 that he'll end up a Laker. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, I had a similar conversation with Jared Dudley, who played with Darren Collison in with the Clippers, obviously that one that one year they were both there. You know, he was kind of similarly conflicted about whether Darren Collison even did want to make the move back. But at this point, there's so much smoke there. There's so much noise. Um, I, I think the expectation at this point is certainly that he's going to play. And um, you know, the Lakers could certainly find other options on the buyout market. But if Darren Collison does, decides not to come back this year, I think that would be, um, and, and you know, that, that that would be a bit of a blow to the Lakers. But Again, people are really confident with this group moving forward. I, you know, I tend to be of the mind that, you know, they could shore up their depth just a little bit. Um, but, but we'll see. You know, one interesting element of that is they have 15 guys 
You know, yeah. and so if if they do end up signing someone, if they end up signing Darren Collison or um, or you know anyone else, they're going to have to make room for him, and that means that you're going to see somebody get waived, whether it's Demarcus Cousins, whether it's somebody like Troy Daniels. But if it's not Demarcus Cousins, it's going to be somebody who you have grown familiar with and have seen yep. on the floor a lot for the Lakers this year, and. I have not gotten the sense that the Lakers are interested in parting ways with DeMarcus Cousins. He is um, obviously very close with with Rajon Rondo and Anthony Davis, and he is a constant presence in the locker room around the team. Uh, He's part of their culture. And the Lakers also haven't ruled out the possibility of him playing this year. You know, that seems crazy to me, considering the injury he's coming off of and the fact the Lakers are so stacked up front. Uh, It doesn't really make sense to me to, to... be prepping him to come back and start integrating him in the postseason. But if you're talking about a secret weapon and a guy who you might be able to plug and play kind of in um, situational, you know, in, 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 situationally, you know, it is kind of interesting to imagine the Lakers suddenly having this, this big burly, you know, playmaking center who can knock down threes um, as a secret weapon in the postseason if that were to happen. But anyhow, um, something would need to break for the Lakers to open up a roster spot. I think you'd have to start looking maybe Troy Daniels, um, who hasn't really been the the shooter they were looking for this year consistently. But uh, it's it's interesting no matter what they would end up doing. Yeah, absolutely. Cousins fascinates me because we see him out on the court doing some things, but it's not he's not playing basketball. He he interests me from a from an X and O standpoint because on the one hand, like you said, they've got Javale McGee and Dwight Howard. And those guys have played very well. On the other hand, he gives them an element that those two guys don't. He does stretch it out to the three-point line. He's a better three-point shooter than Anthony Davis. So if you play those two guys together, you can kind of invert that a little, where sometimes offensively at least AD is the the center and Cousins is kind of the power forward playing out away from the basket. But then defensively, you know, if you've got a bigger matchup, Cousins can play down closer to the rim. AD is the more versatile defender out there who can do more things. Obviously, they've played together before. Uh, that matters, I think, in terms of that adjustment window, if and when it ever happens, if they could get him back out there. You know, I think LeBron is not the not not an easy guy. No, nobody is easy to adapt to in the NBA, but I think LeBron can make your job easier. And so a guy like that um, and a guy like Davis, who Cousins has played with before, I, I think that might shorten the learning curve a little. Um, but certainly it would be – I think you'd have to have really minimal expectations of what he could actually provide – if they're able to get him out there just because it's, it's just such a long layoff. Even if he understands concepts and understands what they want him to do, actually physically doing those things at this stage of the game, especially we haven't gotten any indication that it's particularly close and we're sitting here on February 6th. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I think, I don't think they want to lose him. I don't think that, that they would sacrifice him to a roster spot um, at this stage, but I also don't think that you can have realistically high expectations for him. Yeah, I think that's a really a really good assessment of the situation. Um, you know, and also listen, there's value in in you know showing Demarcus Cousins the respect of keeping him engaged, let giving him a place to to rehab, giving him the opportunity to be around a team after you know you know he's had some really terrible luck, um, you know, some really cruel twists of fate in terms of you know being on his way to a supermax deal potentially. And now you know, I mean, this summer he's going to be you know, scrap, you know, scraping for you know, a veteran's minimum, probably. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, keeping him engaged just for his mental health and mental well-being um, has been a gift the Lakers have given him. 
And, you know, when the time comes for him to, even if he doesn't play this year, when the time comes for him to consider landing spots, you know, maybe there's a fit with the Lakers again, depending what they decide to do up front long-term. But um, that's all stuff the Lakers are looking at, um, you know, kind of long-term. But as it relates to today, I mean, the Lakers are obviously um, kind of going to evaluate the the buyout market, uh, evaluate kind of their roster, um, and they have a little bit of time to do that. But it's it, but when this stuff starts happening, it's going to happen fast. So, I mean, it's going to be just it's going to be interesting to see who who gets bought out, what players are are available. We've already heard Isaiah Thomas is likely to get bought out by the Clippers after that trade. I mean, that's obviously I don't I don't think that is a fit or it makes sense for the Lakers again, particularly considering the way that went between IT and LeBron the first time, but I think you know, shooters, I mean, we've heard we know shooters are are a priority, a ball handler who can also shoot. And then also I still don't know who's going to defend these big imposing wings in the Western Conference. Uh, for the Lakers, it, it, you know, I thought that's what Andre Iguodala made the most sense as, and I, I think that they could still use somebody kind of to fill that role. Um, but because once you get past Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers are really small in the front court. So um, if that, that I mean, not counting obviously the, the two centers. So that's going to be that's going to be a, a big question for me as they go into the playoffs if they don't add anybody in that in that in that position. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest hole for them that that feels. Like it's going to be really difficult. But the Collison solution solves a lot of what you'd have, what you're facing offensively when LeBron is off the floor. And that's, to me, that's one of the two biggest issues. What are you when LeBron is not on the floor? Um, and, and, and how can you sort of rectify some of the, the problems that you have there? And then defensively, uh, you know, stopping the ball and being able to lock down defensively and having a guy who you can throw on these various guys who kind of light you up. And those guys can be as wide ranging as like a bigger guy like James Harden or a guy like what we saw Damian Lillard do to the Lakers in the first game back after, after the, the Kobe situation, you, you just need a versatile guy who you can throw onto a wide range of offensive players. That guy may not be on the buyout market. And that may be something that they've just got to kind of do by committee Danny Green is a good defender. Avery Bradley's a good defender. They've been a very good defense to this point. I think when you get into the playoffs and starters are on the floor more and plays break down more and you've got star players who go to create, those guys who can be, you know, who can stop the ball, can really guard the ball, those guys increase in value and and the job gets harder and it may be harder for the guys the Lakers have. I just don't know that there's going to be a guy. Look, there might be a guy out on the market who – he can come in and hit a three-pointer. You know, if Marvin Williams gets bought out, there's a guy who I'm not sure positionally he fits, but if you're just looking for a guy who stretches the floor some in spot minutes, maybe a guy like that is out there. But but I don't know who the guy even would be. And we could be surprised by somebody who hits the buyout market. I don't know who that versatile defensive guy would be, but there may be a candidate that we're not we're not thinking about at this point. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of people who have kind of come across my radar. I think at this point, Miami's probably going to keep Jay Crowder, but that's a name that, you know, popped into my head. Um, you know, Damari Carroll with the Spurs, that's been a terrible fit, but that's just, a, I, I, I don't know how, I, I don't know what the Spurs are going to do with Damari Carroll. Um, you know, he's making some, you know, decent money from them and that has been a disaster. I don't think they think he can play anymore. So, you know, but again, conceptually, Damari Carroll, what he was with the Nets the last couple of years makes perfect sense for the Lakers, but he certainly hasn't been that for the Spurs, so buyer beware. You know, a guy I would be really intrigued by if he were to hit the buyout market, I believe, I shouldn't say this without looking it up, I believe he's in the last year of his contract, uh, but Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who played at Kentucky with Anthony Davis 
really made his name as a defender. It's really his specialty. He doesn't do a whole lot offensively. But in spot minutes, if you needed a guy to guard a big wing, were he to hit the market, that might be a name um, because of the Davis connection and, and, and because of the Lakers' needs. Maybe that's a name if he's out there. Sounds good. Uh, this is, in fact, uh, Michael K. Gilchrist last season, so he is um, potentially a, a buyout candidate uh, as well, uh, for what it's worth. All right. Well, Brett, uh, we can keep this one kind of short. Obviously, we're just, uh, you know, not a lot to react to. But I think the absence of a move is in and of itself a move for the Lakers, if you know what I mean. Um, there is um, there is a choice not to trade Kyle Kuzma. There is a choice to move forward with this roster and potentially make some moves on the fringes. But by and large, you know, the Lakers, if they wanted to make fundamental changes to their roster, it would have happened today. And instead, we know that they have a lot of confidence in this group. It's the best team in the Western Conference by record uh, as of today, and that's a good place to be in. Um, and we'll see if it continues uh, beyond the trade, or excuse me, beyond the All-Star break and, and into the playoffs and, ha- and how deep they can go. But this is obviously one of those big days where you learn something about the team you cover, and I think we learned something about the Lakers today, even though they didn't make a move. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think we've learned some things about, about the league as well. I mean, I think... Um We talked about this, Bill, a little bit this week. I think Houston's moves and what they've done indicates to me that they're more concerned about the Clippers as a contender than they are about the Lakers. Uh, We've seen some other teams who, you know, obviously wing uh, getting wing depth and wing defenders was such a priority. We see where the league is and what teams want. So we found out a lot more. And, you know, tonight we get a look at the Rockets. So it's exciting. Yeah, that's it's going to and people might be listening to this after this game has already happened. But, Brett, what would you set the over under on threes by the Rockets at tonight? You asked me this earlier today, and I said sixty. I'm going to stick with it. I'm I think sixty is a really good number. I think, I, I think going forward, though, the Rockets are going to set a lot of records for three point attempts on a team with where their tallest person might be De- Mike D'Antoni. So <laughs> it was a joke. All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of Basketball Reasons, a part of the Forum Club on the Athletics NBA Podcast Network. I'm Bill Orem. He was Brett Dawson. I'll sign off for him. Sitting in a closet somewhere in Washington, D.C., the former home of Isaiah Thomas, is Mike Smeltz. All right, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back next week on Basketball Reasons.